All right. Good evening, and if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3 tonight. So, as you know, we're continuing on in the study of uh, worship. And so, just as you're turning there, uh, just quick review. Um, so, we saw in the first week when Pastor Chad spoke, we saw that God is the object of our worship. So when we talk about worship, the object of our worship is God, and so we all worship something. And for those who are in Christ, he is the object of our worship. Um, and then John Leaf showed us the next week that the gospel is the foundation of our worship. So what Christ has done for us on the cross shows us that we cannot do anything to earn our salvation. And therefore, we owe all the praise and glory to him. And then, so the next week after that, Kent Schaefer talked about the, how the word of God and how our worship comes through the word of God because that's, that's how we know them. That's how the gospel is made known to us. And so then, um, the week before, or two weeks ago, Pastor Mike showed us that um, because of the gospel, we can come together as a body of Christ and worship him together. We worship him corporately. And so tonight... What you just saw in the video, we're going to look at prayer. And how, how does prayer fit into worship? What, what is prayer? So sort of why and how we pray. Now, we're not going to um, look at so much how we pray, like a method. But what we're going to look at is the, the how and why. Or the why, I mean. So before we look at um, Ephesians chapter 3, um, let's pray. Lord, I just ask that you would help us tonight um, as we look at Paul's prayer. I know it's, it's easier to talk about prayer than actually praying, so I think it's, but just help us to um, look at what Paul says here and in your word and, and just teach us how to pray. Just teach us why we need to pray and, and what the heart of prayer is tonight so that we can worship you better. And so, Lord, I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Ephesians um, chapter, yeah, Ephesians 3, um, we'll start in verse 14. Uh, now before I get into the text, um, this is a very well-known section, so we're not going to take a long, in-depth look at it, but what I want to help you guys see is that what Paul's praying for here is really the heart of worship. This, what prayer does is look at the heart and, and that heart response to God. So what has God done for us? And then that's our heart response to that. So it's easy, uh, it's easy for us to not like to talk about prayer. It's easy us, because it's easy to feel bad about us not praying. I mean, I don't think a lot of us here, I know myself, don't ever complain that we pray too much. Um, that's not usually something that we struggle with. Um, so usually we feel guilty about prayer. And, and so usually we... Uh, we don't like to talk about it a whole lot. Um, and so there's actually not, I mean, just trying to study this, there's not a ton out there uh, written about prayer. Just, I mean, a lot of people won't write on prayer just because they feel so inadequate. Um, but we're going to try uh, to look with what Paul says in, in Ephesians here tonight. And prayer can be confusing. Prayer can be confusing when we actually think about it. I mean, you just saw in the video, um, just how many misnomers people have about prayer. And, you know, prayer can be confusing. And just think about, just reading through our Bible, uh, you know, we read in the book, in Luke 18, Jesus is talking about the widow. 
And so from the widow's prayer and the widow interaction with the judge, we learn we should pray persistently, right? God hears our prayers when we hear persistently. But then we read sections like Matthew 24, 14, that says, you know, the Pharisees who make pretense for long prayers. Or, you know, he condemns the Pharisees in Matthew 6, 7, um, that they heap up empty phrases, uh, for they think they will be heard for their many words. And so you wonder, well, then what, what, how should I pray? And then we see the Psalms. We see all kinds of different prayers. And like you mentioned in the video, you know, we do come to him with all kinds of prayers. But then we read in James 4.3 that says, you know, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So then we have to say, so is there a wrong way to pray? And, and so we, just, we have all these questions um, when it really comes to prayer. Um, but really... The, if we understand what Paul's saying here in, in the heart of prayer, I think that will help us then to understand that, that we can approach God, that we, ha- we can have confidence in approaching him and that he'll hear us. Because I think uh, a big struggle for us, and a struggle for me too, is that we, what we really want out of prayer is, is we want a method that's going to work. We want answered prayers. That's what we really want. So when we, we talk about prayer, and we want to learn about it. We really want God to answer our prayer. We, we just want something that's going to go straight to God so that he'll answer it, answer our prayers. Um, but we'll see what Paul says in, in Ephesians 3. So Ephesians 3.14. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And so if, if you're not familiar with the book of Ephesians, this section of scripture uh, is right in the middle. So this is um, sort of the, where Paul's going before he goes into the next section. So he, he's, this is his prayer. This is what he's praying for the church in Ephesus. So in chapters 1 and 2 and then the beginning of chapter 3, Paul presents this, this great truth of the gospel, the great truth of what Christ has done for us, and, and then who we are in Christ. And so he's, he's made us in the image of God. He's given us every blessing. Um, he gives us our identity. And, and so really, the first, if you could sum up the first three chapters, it's he's giving us our identity, and our identity is in Christ. That's who we are. That defines who we are when we are in Christ, when we are filled with his spirit. And then if you jump ahead to chapters 4 to 6 in Ephesians, then he says, well, then what do you do with this? How do you live? And Paul does, this is similar to a lot of his other letters where he gives the, the, what God has done for you, and then so this is how your response to that. And this is no different. And so, so this right here, this prayer that he gives, is sort of the, the climax of everything he's been saying. And it's, what it does is give us the motivation to live. So this, this passage is the motivation to live out the Christian life. 
Um, so, so again, if, if there's like one big idea of what this passage is, um, it would be that our prayer needs to be focused on becoming who we already are in Christ because that's what Paul's saying. He's praying for the Ephesian church to just figure out <laughs> what they already have. They don't need to pray for anything more because they're already filled with the fullness of God. And so just let's just look at the text, uh, starting out in verse 14. Uh, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Well, it's for what reason? And again, he's, he keeps, if you go through the book of Ephesians, he, he says this a couple times. He says, for this reason, and then he builds on it. And then he says, for this reason, and then he builds on it. And so really, if you go back to uh, chapter 2 and verse 22, where he says, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So that how, that's how he ends his first two chapters. So this is us. We're being built into the church by the Spirit, by God. So he's assuming we're, we're being filled with the Spirit. Um, so again, that's who we are in Christ. So our first point tonight then is who we pray to. And who we pray to, as you can see, is I bow my knees before the Father. So because we are filled with that Spirit, we know that through Christ we can approach the throne of God and Christ will intercede for us. The posture of bowing the knee is acknowledging that we can do nothing apart from the Father. So Paul wants the Ephesian church to grow, but he knows that only God can give the growth. And so that's why he's asking the Father, he's bowing, he's, he's begging the Lord that he would help the Ephesian church to grow in the knowledge of him. That, God will, that Christ would intercede for them. So, and this is the same thing of what Jesus says when he's teaching us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. He, the Lord's Prayer starts, starts out with, hallowed be your name, right? It's, it's who do we pray to? It's God. Everything is from God, so that is who we pray to. So we are praying to a God that has created the universe with his word, a God that's conquered sin and death. And, and so if you jump down to verse 16, so he's praying all this, you know, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. So, so what he's pointing to, he's going back, again, this is his climax of the book. He, he's going back to, to chapter 1 when he says, you have been blessed with every blessing in the heavenly places. So, so, so the, who are we praying to? We've already been blessed with everything that he has, all the blessings. So when we pray, we're not asking for God to fill us with more of his spirit. We're not asking him for more blessings. We're, we're already filled with that. He's already given it to us. So what Paul's praying here is that you would know this, that, that, you, would, that you would understand all of this. So, so this is the Christian life of becoming what you already are. So the, let me just, before I move on, just try to explain what he's saying here is he's praying that they would understand this. So suppose somebody, um, somebody transferred, they, they come to you and say, hey, I transferred you some money into your bank account. And for whatever reason, you don't think they really have a lot of money, you don't think it's a, a big amount of money, you, you just don't check it. And so you don't get around to checking it for a while, you just go about your business. But finally, you check your bank account, and you see it's this huge sum of money, something that's going to completely change your life. And you had not been doing any with it, anything with it the whole time, right? So you, really, this whole time, you've had it, you've possessed it, 
but you've been doing nothing with it. And so really you've been living like you're poor, even though you're rich. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's, he's telling the church, he's praying, you, you're living like you're poor, you're living like you're not filled with the Spirit, when really you possess that. And so he's, he's showing us then, so in my next point, point two, is then what do we pray? So if you look at verses 16 to 19, this is, should be the heart of our prayer. This is, should be included in every prayer that we pray. So he says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the, his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to com- comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So notice here that he's, he's praying. What does he pray? He says that you'll be strengthened with power in his spirit in your inner being. And then in the next verse he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So what is this that he's praying for, your inner being? What, what is he talking about, the inner being, or that Christ will dwell in your hearts? So I mean... Actually, one thing, I was listening to the message this morning, if you're here with Tom Harmon, just his analogy of, of how, how often Christians and how often we focus so much on our outward appearance. You know, we work really hard on how we look like on the outside. But Paul's praying for the exact opposite here, right? He, he isn't praying for the outward or physical. And, and if you know um, all the prayers of Paul, um, I know my dad preached on it a couple years ago, Paul actually never prays for physical needs. He never, even though he's in jail, near death, suffering, he never actually asked for prayer in his letters for healing, for his physical needs. And he doesn't pray for the physical needs of the church either. He, he always prays for their inner spiritual life. And that's no different than what he's doing here. He's saying focus on your inner spiritual life. Um, if you, probably, if some of you were here um, you probably don't remember, but the first week when Chad started all this, and on the video, um, when Jared Wilson was, was talking, he asked a couple questions. He said, he said, what do you think about when you're all alone? You know, what do you dream about? What do you fantasize about? Because whatever that is, that's where your heart is. So what your mind and thoughts go toward is where your heart is, right? So that, that's worship. Um, that's this whole premise for this series is worship. So you worship what you love, and that, so that your inner being, your heart, are going to be bent in that direction, right? It's where your, your heart is, that's, that's where everything will take you. So the focus of our thoughts is then, if we focus on ourselves, if we focus on the outward, then the focus will go to, well, what do other people think about us? You know, how can I please other people? Um, you know, do people think we're godly? Do, what do people think about us? That, that's, I mean, and your heart can go in a, a ton of different directions, but that's where it goes. And so what Paul's saying is don't focus on that. Don't focus on the outward. He says focus on the, I'm praying that God would strengthen your inner being. Um, and it, it, it's easy to focus on the outward because we know that our hearts are full of sin and so it's easier just to clean the outside up and not deal with the inside. And so it's, it's easy just to distract ourselves and, and not. So, I mean, when we talk about prayer, when we talk about meditation, 
it's it's easy just to distract ourselves and just not even deal with it. Um, there's a I'm just going to read a quote from Tim Keller. I think it summarizes this section of just what do we struggle with? This is what he says. He says, if we give priority to our outer life, our inner life will be dark and scary. We won't know what to do with solitude. We will be deeply uncomfortable with self-examination, and we will have an increasingly short attention span for any kind of reflection. Even more seriously, our lives will lack integrity. In short, if we don't know how to deal with the inner life, we will turn into hypocrites. And so again, so then what do, what do we do? Like, how, how do we do that? How, what's the answer to fight against that? And I think what Paul's saying here, as we look at um, verses 18 and 19, how, how do we combat that? What do we pray for? It's we need to get our eyes off of ourselves. We need to get our eyes off ourselves and onto Christ. That's what he's saying. He says, I am praying in verse 18 that you would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So what he wants to see, he's calling our attention and focus to remember what Christ has done for us. This is, this is the gospel. This is what he's been preaching in, in the first two chapters. He's saying, remember what God has done for you. It's not about you. It's about what God has done for you. So again, it's, but yet our minds are focused so much, we cannot get it off of ourselves. We can't get it off our own immediate needs. Uh, it's, it's like if you, if you have young kids. I, I have four little kids right now, and so I see this every day. But it's like if, if they have a toy that they get really attached to, and it changes every day, but they get really attached to that, and let's say it breaks or they lose it, and they just come crying, you know, just please fix this, or, or please, we have to find this. And, and let's say, you know, hey, it's, and then at the same time, maybe you get great news. You get a phone call right when they're crying, and you say, hey, got great news. You know, this great thing just happened. You know, somebody gave us all this money. We can buy you new toys. We can buy you anything you want. <laughs> but in that moment, they keep crying. They, don't, they can't comprehend what it means. At least my kids, they don't know money. They don't know the value of anything else. And so right, right then, it's, it's their immediate need. And that's how we are with God. We, we can't comprehend the fullness of everything he's blessed us with. I mean, that's why, that's why Paul says that in verse 20, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, it's like he's saying you can't even imagine the power God's given you because you don't focus on it. You're so focused on yourself. And, and so Paul's praying. He's, he's begging the Lord that they would understand God's love. for. So he, he wants us to grasp how deep the Father's love is for us. So he's telling us to remember the gospel every day because we forget it. So we have to remind ourselves over and over of the love that God has for us. Uh, and I think, um, just before we move on to the last point, you know, Kevin DeYoung has put it well when he says, the secret of the gospel is that we actually do more when we hear less about all we need to do for God and hear more about all that God has already done for us. And, and I think that's, that's the heart of prayer. It's, it's remembering what he has done for us so then our hearts can be changed um, to his heart. We can be conform more conformed to him. So then why, so, so, that, so then it, it moves on to 
why do we pray? Like, why do we just stop? I mean, because if you think about it, we're not actually, to us, it seems like we're not doing anything. We're just stopping. We're not doing anything. We're just talking to God. It's like, what does that really do? And then, so Paul ends with, I think, what is the why of why we pray. Um, So verses 20 and 21, he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him, be the glory, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And so again, this is, a lot of people have memorized this passage of scripture. Um, this is, you know, the, the doxology that, that Paul's doing. So it's, again, it's, we were made to worship him. It's all for his glory. Um, he, again, this is, this these two verses here are climaxing everything that Paul has said before here. And it's, it's the motivation for everything that comes after. Now, a lot of us are familiar with this verse, but do we actually live this out? Um, so can, can you imagine if we live this out individually, that we understood what it was, um, what God, the power God gives us, that he can do um, abundantly, he's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Um, you know, what, what would our families look like? What would our church look like if we actually all lived out this verse? If, if we saw the power of prayer, if we understood the power of what God can do through us. So this is why prayer is one of the keys to our worship. Because we can do nothing apart from Christ. We must come to him for all we need. And he will do and give, he, he will do and give us more than we can even imagine to ask for. So prayer cannot be separated from other areas of our Christian walk. So it's really why prayer is so important, because it's not about us doing, doing more for God, doing this. It's about, it's about, our, it's about our heart's posture of bowing to him, knowing that he is the only one who can work through us. So... So then the key for us to understand the heart of prayer in, in verse 21 then is it's to him be the glory. So it's, it's all for him. So everything that we pray is for his glory. So everything then in our actions is, is for his glory. And so, again, going back to what I mentioned at the beginning with, you know, so many of us, I, I know it's my big thing, is I, I want to do things so that I'm going to get answered prayer. What do I have to do so that God will answer my prayer? And again, that's what Paul's saying here is you're missing the point. The point is to know God. So, so really, more than desiring our prayers to be answered, the goal of prayer is desiring to know him better. It's to know him deeper. Um, that, that's what Paul's talking about, that what, what a changed heart looks like, that inner man, the heart of faith. It's, it's to know him better. This is why, um, you know, the, like the Lord's Prayer. If you look at the first three lines of the Lord's Prayer, it's all about, it's reminding us that it's all about him, right? It's hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done. And so that's why we pray, your will be done. That's why Jesus prays in the garden, you know, your will be done. I, I want this cup to pass for me, but your will be done. And it's actually submitting to, to his will over ours. This is why we end our prayers with, in Jesus' name, because he's the only one who can intercede for us. And so just to, I just 
just two illustrations to sort of wrap this up tonight. Um, there's a there's a story. Uh, it's R.A. Torrey was uh, probably hundred and some years ago was a American preacher, and he would go around preaching revival services and and there's uh, one a story of one night before he's getting up to speak and he was in actually this is Australia not America, and he was given a note and this note was an appeal to address the problem of unanswered prayer. So the letter explained how dedicated um, that the man had been in prayer for an item that he was certain was God's will. So he explained that he had been, been a member of the church for over 30 years. He had been the superintendent in Sunday school for 25 years and an elder in the church for 20 years. And still God did not answer his prayer. And so during uh, his talk, um, Tori took the note and said, This man thinks that because he has been a consistent church member for 30 years, a faithful Sunday school superintendent for 25 years, and an elder in the church for 20 years, that God is, um, uh, sorry, that God is under obligation to answer his prayer. So he really is praying in his own name. So while this man probably said the words in Jesus' name as part of his prayers, but if so, it was just part of his project to procure God's favor through perfect compliance by all the rules. So we must give up the fact that we have any claims upon God, but Jesus Christ has claims upon God, and we should go to God in our prayers, not on the ground of any goodness in ourselves, but on the ground of Jesus Christ's claims. And so I think that, that story perfectly illustrates, right? When we come to God, what happens when he doesn't answer our prayers? Do we say, look, what have I done wrong, you know? <laughs> what sin is there in my life that you're, you're not answering my prayer? And when really what we're saying is we're, we're praying in our own name. We're, we're going by our own will, our own idea of what our life should be. We're actually not praying in Jesus' name. We're not saying your will be done, Lord. So then, so, so what does this have to do with worship? So again, with, with Christ as the center of our worship, with the gospel as our foundation, the word of God gives us the ability to know him. Prayer, then, is our response to that. So Paul's ultimate aim in the prayer is that Christ would be worshipped and glorified through us. And we can only do that by falling on our knees and acknowledging that everything is from him, to him, and for him. So our ability to even know him and praise him, to do anything, is all from him. He's the only one that's even given us that ability. And so that's why prayer is our response. That is how we actually work, we act towards God. Um, I have a couple minutes left, so just uh, this has been a passage that's been really impactful to me, and just share it. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel 1. Because I, I think if, if we want to understand then, okay, what happens when we don't, you know, we don't get what we want, we don't get what we pray for. So what should our hearts um, be turned to? So 1 Samuel chapter 1 is the story about Hannah. And I'm just going to read a little bit, skip around. So this is Hannah, um, Samuel's mom, praying. And so there was a certain man of Remeath Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkna, the son of Jehoram, son of Eliu, son of Tohu, son of Zippu, <laughs> and Ephraite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other, Paniah. 
or Penaniah. And Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. And so, I'm just going to skip ahead. So he, he used to go up to Jerusalem, and so this Penaniah used to badger Hannah all the time. And so this is, here, this is years and years of suffering that Hannah went without a child. And so Hannah goes... Um, so as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And so after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. So the verse 10, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servants and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, but only her, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman Troubled in spirit, I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Now, if, if you're looking at that passage, you, you see Hannah. I mean, this is, you know, her greatest suffering. She just, she can't, you know, she can't even live. I mean, she's so passionate about it. You know, the priest thinks she's drunk. Um, just imagine how passionate she is. But she goes... And just notice what, what happens after she's done praying. So she pours out her heart. And that's, you know, they talk about that in the video. We, we are. We are to pour our hearts out, our, our hearts out to God. It's not wrong to pray for physical needs. But it's then what do you do after that? And, that's, and we'll see here. She says, so after um, she said, let your servants find favor in your eyes, verse 18. She says, the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Now, she doesn't know that the Lord's going to answer her prayer. She has no idea. The, the Lord has not answered her prayer. He actually doesn't answer her prayer for a little bit yet. But yet she went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. And then she rose early the next morning and worshipped the Lord. And so the, you have to ask the question, why? Like, what was it? What happened there that Hannah was able to, to leave that at the, at the altar when she was praying? And so... So, so pouring out her heart and knowing that there was a God who heard her, she was able to go away and be content. So, so what did she do? She, she left. She, she had confidence that the Lord heard her, and she left it at the altar. And, and so you can see by, she went away and ate. She just went about her life. She left that, she had a peace. So prayer gives us a peace. Because really, what, what she got, and that's why I think she, she rose early the next morning and worshiped. She, she understood God. And that's what God does. When we pray, even if he doesn't answer our prayers, 
we can go away in peace. We can go away in peace knowing that he hears us. We can, we can hold on to promises like Romans 8, 28 that says he works all things for good. So even though we may not see it, even though we may be going through suffering, he, he's working all things for good, and it's all for his glory. And I think that's the heart of our, our prayers, so that that's how we worship. We worship him by submit, submission in prayer. So again, it's, you know, it's not wrong. I'll just end with this. It's not wrong to pray for healing, but maybe when we pray for healing, pray that God would use it. No matter whether he heals us or not, he can use that for his glory. I mean, that's, that should be our heart when, when we come to him in prayer. And so I hope that when we come in worship, when we come as a body, when we're with our families or just by ourselves, that, that we come with this attitude um, towards God in our prayers. So I'll pray and be done. Lord, God, I just, I just ask that as we talk about prayer, that you would just, just really help us to get our eyes off of ourselves, our minds, our thoughts. Um, Lord, it's, we're so caught up with our own pride and our own selfishness. Just, just help us to see what you've done for us and how it's undeserved. Lord, we've done nothing to deserve it. And so help us to come to you with an attitude um, of praise, of worship, of thanksgiving um, in our prayers. Just help us to worship you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.